Welcome everyone to Be Better Betters. I'm the host, Spanky. Thanks for listening. My guest this week has been in the casino industry for about 40 years. He transitioned from casino pit gaming to running the retail DraftKings Sportsbook at Resorts for three years. He's now enjoying a well-deserved retirement. Please welcome Hal Tendler. Hal, thanks for coming on. Oh, my pleasure. So, Hal, how, were you into gambling growing up at all? Or? Yeah, a little bit. I always loved sports. So, of course, I always followed sports. And as you know, for many years in the United States, uh, the only place you could ever bet sports was Las Vegas. So, you know, we all had offshore accounts and so forth. But, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I just followed sports and I enjoyed uh, the, the game on the side of it as I grew up. Great. And did you, was it just sports or did you play other games, um, you know, any of the cards or dice or anything like that? Well, it's funny you ask that. I mean, in the early days when we we opened uh, Resorts, that was the first casino in Atlantic City, 1978. And I had a friend of mine who was actually a lawyer and he was pretty smart. And I liked math. He liked math. And we became a card counting team. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, we were card counting. And uh I was at the time a dealer. So dealers are not allowed to gamble in the early days. And if you had any license, actually in New Jersey gaming license. So I would shadow count kind of like the movie 21. I would signal him. He would jump in, start betting three hands. And one night uh, they kind of caught us and they told us, uh, we see what you're doing. You're more than welcome to play rock bar or craps, but no more blackjack. And uh, when I came back to work the next day, my manager said, listen, you took a nice picture at the other club. They sent your picture around to card counter. I said, listen, I never made a bet. I never sat down. He goes, oh, I understand. So that was the end of my card counting career. And I don't really bet in casinos anymore. Well, wow, so what got you into card counting? That's great. I don't know. It's just like math. And uh, in the early days, you know, people always wanted to get the advantage of playing because the, the, the house always has the edges, you know, even in sports game and that 10% is tough number. So, you know, we tried to uh, figure out a way where, you know, we'd rather win and lose. So we got into card county. And did you read any books, any specific books like Ed Thorpe beat the dealer or uh, any of the newer books? Uh, uh, um, I read one time. of the old books uh, gotcha. with, with Wang, the, the original one with Wang and, you know, this, this, this the high low system. And this is way back when this is, don't forget, we're talking late seventies, early eighties. It's a lot yeah. more sophisticated now. Yeah. yeah. No, that, that's still the high low system is probably still, I think probably the most widely used counting system today. Um, so when, this is, this is such a cool story. So, um, so your, your partner, couldn't count. You're the one who had to count as you were dealing, and then you would signal him to just come in and play. He couldn't count on his own? He could, but the problem was, if they identified him counting and then jumping in, they would have known he's a counter. So they see me just standing behind the game. I would, like, scratch my hair. He knows it's a positive count, and he would just jump in like like a you know an average person not even paying attention to this shoe. And uh, we stayed there a little too long, and they kind of caught us at that point. Gotcha. So you, you worked at the resorts in 78? Is that when you first started? Yeah, we opened uh, Memorial Day of 1978 as the first casino in Atlantic City. And I, yeah, I was there, yes. Wow. And um, it's amazing how you stayed at the resorts until just recently, um, from essentially open to close. So um, um, w- when you guys did accounting, were you guys counting? You didn't count at resorts. You counted at another joint? Uh, yeah, we, we tried to go to three. Uh, they, they used to have like these three casinos. Uh, they had the Sands, the Valley, and at that time it was the Brighton. So we would move like a half hour and one, move to the next and the next. And the night we got quiet, there was a big thunderstorm. It was pouring out. So we stayed at the one casino too long. And that's how we eventually got caught. Wow. Amazing. And if you don't, I, don't, I know this is a, a long time ago, but what kind of, how, how much were you guys betting it? And how well, big of a spread were you guys going in? You know, at that time, we were just out of college, and he would just jump in, start betting like two, three hands, $300 a hand. So, you know, you know, just black chips, $100 chips. Beautiful. And, and, and this is, um, when uh, this is a, uh, a, just a shoe game, six decks for what was it like back then? How many decks? Yeah, it was a shoe, shoe deck, uh, you know, a regular limit game, 10, 15, 25 hours, and it was eight decks. Eight decks. So it's, it's been always eight decks in Atlantic City for the most part. Eight decks in the high limits are usually six decks. If you go into gotcha. a high limit, fifty hundred hour game. Gotcha. Okay, so you're working now. You were dealing at the resorts. 
um, let's 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 move on. Now. How, you know how how many years do you spend dealing, um, and and when do you get the bump up to to the next level? Well, in those days, you know, uh, as they expanded, resorts got bigger and bigger, and then Caesars opened and so forth. So you would move up pretty fast. So I, I actually got moved up uh, like two years later, say 1980, into a uh, box person. My main game was craps. So craps has that uh, extra step where you don't go from dealing to floor. You go to box, and then you have so many hours, and then you go to floor and craps. Where blackjack, you go from dealer right to the floor person. So it took two years to get promoted into a management position. Wow. And, and uh, you know, was there a lot of politics back then or is it, was it who you know or you just pretty much proved yourself and, and you kind of was, was able to get promoted just based on your skills? Okay. So unfortunately for me, I didn't really know anybody, but there were some people who were weaker than myself and others who, you know, were politically connected and they moved up. But, uh, some of the good people did move up, you know, such as myself and so forth. The, the, the good crap dealers that, you know, your ratings were very high and the box and the four people from Vegas would say, yeah, this guy's good. Let's move him up. So, you know, ultimately, you know, you, you would, some of the good people did get up there. Gotcha. So how long did you stay uh, um, as the, as, as the box guy in craps? Okay. So a box for about three years. And then the next bump you go into being a floor person and you're a floor person for, you know, whatever games you're licensed. I also had blackjack at the time. So I became a floor for craps and blackjack. And how long were you doing that for? Uh, did that for about six years. And then ultimately you become a pit manager. And, uh, as a pit manager, a lot of people did not want to do it. I didn't want to either because you get promoted, but you have to change shifts. That's the way the casino works. It's all based on seniority in your position. So yeah, almost it's a life changer. You have to go from a day shift, say to a swing shift. You know, you might be married, you have kids, whatever. So ultimately I, I went to swing and it turns out I like swing better than day. So I stayed there for like 15, 20 years on swing. Wow. Because I had a wife and kids, so I worked night. She worked day, so it kind of works for the kids in that in that respect. Now you were doing you were you were doing a, managing the pit for blackjack and craps. Uh, yep, and also uh, along the way, I took up roulette. So uh, you know, you would some days you would be in craps, some days roulette, some days blackjack. And in the early days, you only had one pit. Nowadays, you might be a pit boss and you're running back with two pits, or you know, maybe even three pits. Depends on how they set it up, but uh, nowadays they allow a lot. It's a lot more lenient. They let the casinos run it. In those days, DGE and the state told you know kind of mandated everything. Yeah, so, so when you were running these pits, how did you uh, not notice? You know, were you what did you have to look for? Did you you know cheaters, um, card counters? Do you have any any stories that come to mind where you know you, you caught somebody doing the wrong thing? Sure. I mean, uh, you know, being that I had some card counting skills, I would also look for card counters. And you would look, you would see how, the, you know, the betting systems and so forth. And, and you watch because you can't be too quick and just because a guy wins a bet and bets more than the next bet. Maybe he has his own system. Maybe, for instance, he's a win press. I win and I press. Or maybe he's a lose progression. I lose, I double up. If I lose, I double again. And he might be running with the count. Maybe he's all you know uh, just so just so happens that the count got richer but he's not even counting you don't want to run guys out for that so you gotta take your time be patient run a couple shoes and make sure you positively a card counter uh we we did have one i was working up in harris chester in philadelphia and we had a guy and we even looked him up in the book and there he was and you know after the shoot professionally we said can we have a word with you off the off the game and we said listen uh you know really your actions aren't warranted to play blackjack here you're more than welcome to play any other game and i even told him i said listen i understand i used to be a counter it doesn't mean you're a bad guy you're not breaking the law but my job is also you know to protect the house so why don't you go down to resorts or go to atlantic city you know take them your blackjack schools down there we, we just can't allow you at our place and, and they shake your hands and they thank you very much. And, you know, we go on from there. So you just mentioned a book. Uh, describe the book to, to some listeners that don't know what the book is. Uh, which book's that? The Wang book? Oh, no. You said he the, the, the card counter was in the book. So is this like a, the Griffin book or is it? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, oh yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. He was in the, uh, the Blackjack book. It's called the Griffin book, which has pictures. And it tells you about, uh, you know, known card counters, uh, throughout the country where they play at all different casinos and they have enough data on them that they, they put their name in there and they 
you know, they may have the top 100 blackjack players in the country. And here's the guy getting rated, and he's in our book, is in the Griffin book. So, black, you know, it's 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 amazing because you know what did people know about the book back then? Because how, you know, I was always told that you know blackjack for a blackjack player to get rated is insane. You know, because that's an automatic. You know, uh, you're eventually going to get up in the book, and then your your career could be ruined. Um, you know, is there any reason why these guys would get rated? Was it just a a slip up or? Well, sometimes they, they get rated because they want to get rewards. Some don't get rated, but others do. And sometimes what you do and how we found this guy is we see him betting and it looks like he's counting. We call surveillance. They get a picture of the guy and all of a sudden they call down. He's in the book. We have the book. Where we see him. There's his picture. And they say he's definitely in the Griffin. His name is such and such. So that's how we would know who he is. Wow. Great. And, and surveillance even back then was pretty sophisticated that they could just you know, try to look through the pictures and, and, and find that. How, how many people did the Griffin book have at the time, if you remember? I don't know. I, I would say a few hundred. And don't forget, surveillance works casino to casino. They, if they're not sure, they might call another casino. And then they'll let them know, hey, the guy was spotted in our casino. Be on the lookout. He's in uh, Philadelphia area, you know, and they work together that way. Gotcha. And even I know with cheaters, they might do that, but casinos, there was still that camaraderie where they're going to protect each other. Surveillance is going to look each other out. There's no competition where, oh man, this guy just got us. I hope they get my comp, take my competition down too. It was never like that, was it? No, they, they work together. And, and if we find a guy cheating, sliding dice or something, take a picture and they'll send it to all the other casinos in the area. Hey, this guy just was sliding dice at our casino, be on the lookout. They get pictures, send them to all the pits down in their casino. They work together. Perfect. So let's describe sliding dice. What does that mean? All right. So this is a guy that can, get, you know, take two dice, such as you and I would come in as a team, Spanky. You're on one end, and I'm a dice slider. So you practice all day long, day after day. You go down there, and you make a big bet. Let's say you would make a bet on 12, 30 to 1 on the 12. Then you bet also on the 11, 15 to 1. And then you make a field bet where, you know, there's high numbers in the field. And I slide the dice. So I could slide one die. Just In other words, I don't throw it, and it doesn't bounce arbitrarily. I keep it low on the felt, and I slide it, just like a helicopter. It spins all the way down. But I don't hit the back wall, because if it hits the wall, again, it could bounce any which way. So I slide the six on, on the top side, keep a six up. All right, now the other dice you could throw, so you only have six combinations. Now, don't forget. If he throws a three, a four, a five, or a six on that other dice, four out of six, he wins because he has that field bet. And he also is getting 30 to one and 15 to one on the 12 and the 11 on the prop bet. So one dice he throws, the other one he slides with a six on the top, and he has a big advantage in his favor. And they work it as a team. So if you're really sharp and you're paying attention, let's say you're the box person and you see these bets coming in, all of a sudden you're getting big bets on the 11, the 12, the field. You better watch the release of that dice quickly, you know. And some casinos now have a wire in the middle. So when you slide, even if you slide the dice, it hits this little metal wire and it makes it bounce. So it, it takes the, uh, the the cheat out of it. Wow. Man, and, and how many groups in your, you know, almost 40 years of doing this did you, did you encounter doing that? So I accounted too. One guy hit us pretty good in the field with like a, a big bet in the field. He, he had a buddy that kept doing this and they were betting. And what he did in those days, cash played. You, could, you didn't have to bet gaming chips. You could bet cash. So what he did, this guy was pretty smart. Uh, he took like a, a $1 bill and he wrapped a lot of money in the middle there. And his buddy slid the dice, hit the field. When we opened the money, he had all these $100 bills to, to, to the tune of about $5,000. And he, yeah, I think he ended up throwing a two or a 12. He got double on the field. So he won 10 grand. And then we caught him. And the other guy, what he did, the same thing. He made a couple of big bets on the 11 to 12, slid the dice. The box person said, I'm not sure if that dice ever hit the back wall. So I'm calling surveillance to confirm it. In the meantime, uh, we had a new guy who had just come from another casino as a uh, shift manager. He comes up and he looks at the guy, and the guy, hey, how you doing? He shakes his hand, and he goes, oh, pay him. I said, what? He goes, yeah, just pay him. So we pay him. And about five minutes later, Smells says, he slid the dice. I said, oh, my God, I can't believe this shift manager just decided to pay this guy. It was just amazing. And then a month later, it was funny, uh, 
a friend of mine who was a shift manager at the Taj Mahal at the time came down and said, you ever see this guy? I said, yeah, he slid the dice about a month ago at us, but we paid him. He goes, he just slid the dice to our place. And I threw him out, just giving you a heads up. I said, it's amazing, right? So, you know, that's how it works. Wow, amazing. Yeah, crazy. So so sliding the dice, any other methods and crap, dice control, any other methods of dice control um, that you've noticed instead of sliding dice? I'll tell you a crazy story, too. That this is the opposite. In the old days, when we first started, now I'm dealing in those days, and we have all the Vegas guys and uh, as the managers because they're the only ones that had experience. So anyway, we would come in, and they would, they would do We had eight box men in the morning. They would come in. Set, you know, get the dice. They had a. They have to look at them. They have to make sure uh, they put an initial one there, like a scribe, to make sure each dice, you know, is our dice. So someone doesn't bring their own dice in. They also have to measure them on a micrometer. They got to square them to make sure they are square. They got to make sure they they're balanced on a little balance thing. So, you know, it's a couple minutes to make sure they're legit. So this one guy in the old days in Vegas is, you know, they used to sweat money. These guys. I guess they got bonuses depending on if they won or whatever. This guy, he actually, now he's working for the casino. He's shaving the dice. He's peeling a little bit with a knife, a little bit on the edge so that there's more sevens on the dice so the players would lose. And a guy caught him and turned him in. The guy got fired. I mean, he's shaving the dice for the casino, and the casino never even asked him to do it down at resorts. Wow. But he's old school, and he wants to win. He doesn't want to lose. He's trying to win and risk his job, and that was the end of that. He lost his license, and they walked him out. Jeez. So that was crazy. And the, the one other story I had, I had a friend of mine. We were in a uh, fantasy football league. We were partners way back when. And uh, I'm uh, sitting box with him. And a foreman, his buddy, is standing behind us. And he would walk in between both of us. Between the, We used to have double box in those days. Nowadays, you only have a single box. They keep the payroll down. But anyway, there was so much money back in Atlantic City in the early days. Box man on each side of so yeah, two box men. So in the meantime, all of a sudden they came around and the pit boss says, no one leaves the pit. No one's coming in. No one's leaving. They wrote the whole pit off. And we're going, what the hell's going on? Next thing you know, here comes the state police in and they handcuff the foreman and the guy sitting next to me, my, my partner. What they were doing, the guy would stand between the two of us and the box man was taking purple. So no one could see him. And bring them up a little bit, and the foreman would get the purple, put them in his pocket. So they emptied their pockets in front of everybody, and you know they got arrested and lost their licenses. They were working together in cahoots, trying to steal gaming chips. Oh man! Oh my God! You, you you've seen so much. Any roulette stories? Any thing going yeah, on? I got one roulette one for you too. Well, roulette, two things. One, one is, is uh, of course, you have to watch for people trying to pass post to you. Again, you and I come in as a team. You're right next to the wheel. You drop the drink, spill a drink, or you're trying to get the floor. Hey, floor, I, I spilled the drink. They come over to you as the ball's falling. I'm in the other end, furthest from the wheel, and I slide a purple chip under the red chip on it, like 19 to 36, whatever, after the ball drops on, you know, whatever, 27. So now the dealer goes to pay. They give me two red chips. I go, oh, boy, I had a purple there. So, I, you know, I, I just passed posted them by distracting everybody with you, getting everybody's attention on one end. But the other one, the funny story was, again, I'm up in Philly, Harris, Chester. We have a shift manager. He's And they have these, nowadays they have these mucking machines where they uh, speeds the game up, where, where after the spin, they bring all these chips into this machine and it separates with the green, the red, whatever. Mm-hmm. So he's over there cleaning the machine. I guess they, they jam a lot also. There's always glitches. Turns out one day uh, the person is missing an orange chip, which is a $1,000 chip. They call them pumpkins. And, you know, every floor person has an inventory sheet. They, they may have a... Uh, 100,000 purple in one game and 200 in orange, whatever. And all of a sudden, they only have 199,000 in orange. They're missing an orange chip. And they're trying to figure out where. They go back to the film. And what this guy was doing, he would clean the machine and we'd slide an orange like down into the machine. And while he's cleaning the machine of the jams of the non-value chips, he would grab this orange chip. And he's a shift manager. No one suspects it. And he would also put on the, the... manage table manager where you're rating all the players let's just say you're being 
Spanky's being raided. And I said to the four person, oh, yeah, Spanky, I just called him. I gave him an orange chip to, to balance out 200000 and make it look like there's one ninety nine, like there's nothing missing. But really, you didn't take the orange. This, this shift manager took the orange into his pocket, and he got caught. He ultimately lost his license in Pennsylvania, and uh, but he maintained a gaming license, but he's not allowed to ever you know work in Pennsylvania. They, they took him to court on that. So it's, it's both sides. You got to watch for people cheating. Yeah, you got to yeah. watch for people stealing. You know, it's a two-way street. Absolutely. Incredible. What insight. And then surveillance, uh, how many times does surveillance catch the stuff? And how many times would a floor person like yourself catch the stuff? Like, you know, is it is it uh, you guys work in tandem or is surveillance really watching that closely or you have to alert them to that stuff? Well, they, they do watch carefully, but I think it, it's more of a heads up from the floor person picking up the phone and calling, hey, listen, go down to roulette number nine, take a look at this guy next to the wheelhead. He might he may be betting late or whatever, you know, you could say. and you know what's amazing also when you catch these people, most of the time you get tipped off by another player. They're going to they'll come up because they don't like it and they'll say, be careful. This guy's uh, he, he's capping his bet against the deal or he's adding money on his game on his bets after the uh the dealer breaks his hand or whatever. And that they actually give you a little insight and help you. It's amazing. But that's how you catch most of the, uh, the fest. Gotcha. So how, you know, in our interactions, you're obviously a people person. How did you handle like, you know, guys that lost a lot or you know, big whales and stuff? Um, the people, you know, you must've seen incredible stories where guys would just gamble their life away. Um, how, how did you, you know, want to describe some of those maybe or, Sure. And, and, you know, it's funny you ask that because, as you know, me from being on the table side, I have a different perspective than a lot of the guys uh, at these sports books because they look at sports book kind of like poker. They, it's a very small margin. They're, they're holding anywhere between about four and seven percent. They don't make a lot of money in sports game. And after they got to pay the payroll and the salaries and the electric bill and whatever. So the way I look at it, though, it, it does, if you if you lose money, a lot of money, you're going to get a comp. Uh, you know, you, you're going to, even if you only made one bet, you, you lost, you got to get a comp. And two, if you bet a lot, win or lose, uh, if you give us a shot at your money again, I believe you should get a comp. You're entitled to getting something. Right. But these guys the, nowadays, they, they, they want to keep the comps to a minimum. And ultimately it, it's a lot of competition. And I, I just think it's bad business. I, like, you know, you were, you were gambling pretty well with us and, Win or lose, I didn't care. You gave us a shot at your money, fair and square, Smanky, and I would take care of you. You know that. And that's the way I look at it. You don't have to lose to get a comp. But some of these people said, that, well, he won. Why should we comp him? He can go buy himself a lunch. And I said, yeah, you're right. And he'll never come back either. You keep him here, he has lunch. He likes the place. He'll, he'll gamble with us. But it's kind of like the guy that comes in with 100 hours and plays craps and wins 5,000 and asks for a room. And you said, well, we only could win 100 hours. Uh, why should we comp him a room? He could buy a room. Okay, you're right. So let him leave. He goes to Borgata and he buys in 5000 They give him the room. And they also have a shot at winning the money back, right? We yeah. don't. You just ran him out of here. So my theory is if you give us a shot, win or lose, you treat the guy the same way. If he doesn't bet a lot but he all the time, but he does lose, I think he deserves something also. So me, even though they don't give free drinks at our place or really any place in Atlantic City, I'll give you guys rooms. I'll give you guys gourmet dinner or whatever. I'll try to comp people for just giving us a shot at their money as the customer. And that's just from table game background. I don't know. It's oh. different than the, most of these people see it. Oh, makes sense. So, all right, so let's talk about how you kind of transitioned into the sports book. So you're running tables. When do you get word that, hey, listen, sports book now is regulated in New Jersey. Um, when do you get the news that, you know, or the offer to, to run this, run the, the, the DraftKings Sportsbook at resorts. You know, it, it's funny, you know, they brought me back. See, I, I left in 2007. Uh, I took a, a severance package and got back into business in 2010 to 2017 up in Harris, Philly. So I'm commuting back and forth like 140 miles a day. It's 11 hour days every day. And I got a phone call from a, sh a shift manager back in resorts. And he goes, listen, there's an opening here. And I said, well, I, I don't want to come unless it's day shift. And I don't want to jump over anybody and cause hard feelings. He goes, no, no, no one's on the line for day shift. You got to meet my boss. Please come down and we'll go from there. So we did. I met the guy and he hires me as a full-time pit boss on day shift. 
and that's in May of 2018. Then all of a sudden, it's about, I guess it's uh, July, and the same guy says, uh, you know, this, this uh, VP, he, he wants you to run the sports book. I said, that's funny. He didn't say nothing to me. He says, no, he says you're going to run the sports book. I said, okay, fine. I like sports. That's fine with me. And, you know, it's non-smoking and so forth. I, I like the idea. So he ends up putting me in there. I didn't even really get, really get asked. So he just kind of said, you're going to be going down there. And, and myself and another foreman from uh, at nighttime at resorts, the two of us opened the resort sports book August in 2018. I did day shift and he did night shift. And neither one of us really had any experience up to then running a sports book. So that's how we, we first started. And it was the SB Tech. The only thing that we had and really helped my situation out was, uh, as you know, Pat, uh, was working for Resorts Digital. He has this background in uh, from Asia and Europe, and he really helped me a lot with sportsbook. He, you know, from the beginning, he knew know, he's probably top five in the in the country right now with his background. So he's way ahead of everybody else who just was learning in the in in the in our country. So he was hanging out with us and making sure we were taking the right bets and so forth. And I learned a lot with Pat. So thank God for that. Yeah, Pat was a former guest on a podcast, good friend of mine. He's, he's great. I know you guys are very close. Um, so okay, so so you know, running running the pit and running the sports book, what are the you know what are the differences? Why, why don't we describe a typical day running the book? So you know, you, you get up. What, what's the first thing you do up until when you close? Okay, so I was the opener, and uh, the other guy was the closer, like I said. So. Mm-hmm. As an opener, you come in and you walk over to security. Now, they already have a list of people who are allowed to get the key. You got to get a key. So you, you get a key from them. You sign a book and you go into the sports book. You got to call uh, You got to call the cage and you got to get your opening impressment, you know, your money for the tellers. Uh, you call them. You wait for them. They come down. You call surveillance. Let them know you're there. The money's coming. So forth. you count all the money. You put it in the, the bank. And now you're waiting for your tellers to come in. Once the tellers come in, you know, you give them each their own bank. They count it, make sure it's all there. And then you you have to go to the computer and you log in, you put your name in, and you give them their opening impression, how much you gave them, and you sign off the computer. They sign in and they put in, you know, uh, whatever they started with. And all the bets are up there. And, 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 you, and you look through these bets and make sure nothing looks, you know, out of line. Like Notre Dame's playing uh, as a 10-point favorite. All of a sudden, the, the, the thing says Notre Dame's a 20-point underdog. It's a mistake. You got to, you know, look at that, things like that. Uh, also, you have to make sure where we are, there's no New Jersey State uh, college teams that you can wager on because we had problems with that in the past. So you're looking for things like that. And then you're open. You know, you open the, the – you tell security, open the rope, and uh, you open for business. And, you know, you go from there. You set the TVs up, of course, because you, you want to make sure you don't have the ABC News on there. It's all sports, all right? ESPN, Fox Sports, uh, anything live, golf, whatever's on TV. You try to get everything out there because everybody has their own thing that they bet on. They want their game on there. So you got to really kind of know how to program these things and move them fast once the game ends, get to the next game, right? And uh, from there, it, it, it's pretty easy from there uh, to get any uh, large bets, you want to call the hub in Vegas. Uh, you have traders. That's their job to make sure the lines are right. So you come in, you want to bet $5,000 on, uh, you know, North Carolina over Duke tonight. And it says North Carolina's minus two. Before we take your bet, we call the hub and they said, yeah, yeah, that line's solid. That's good. You know, just make sure the lines are right. They make sure everything's in line. And uh, from there, you know, you're, you're set. Okay, so let's talk about the hub, because I know there's so many there's so many people involved. So Camby's the one who's the international Swedish group uh, running the lines, and then there's DraftKings in Vegas. Um, are you in, you know who do you talk to? Um, are you talking to Camby or DraftKings? No, we we talk to DraftKings uh, and and guys like Johnny, who you know, uh, Ed, Johnny Avello. Johnny Avello is DraftKings. He's like a figurehead. Uh, Ed Malininsky, he's like the head trader. And and they have about they have a table uh, out there with about eight people uh, on their team checking all these line line movements and so forth. If something's wrong, then they'll get a hold of the cami and say, "Hey, your line's wrong. You know, the gotcha. line's wrong." But uh, yeah, these guys are experts. They're really good. They're professionals. They're they're really enjoyable to work with. They're, they're super guys. 
So uh, we have a really good rapport with them. Gotcha. So when you're so what when you say there's a big bet, um, what's a bet where you don't have to call uh, Johnny and his team? You know, what was the amount that they kind of told you that you know what? Just write that. You know, you don't have to call us on X, but you know on Y, you got to call us. Yeah, well, you know, like like NFL football, say, or or Premier Soccer. You know, they're really solid lines. Everybody's basically the same line, and you know, you may have a, a higher limit on something like that, like maybe a ten thousand dollar bet uh, for you know the average guy coming in. Just take it. Uh, if it gets up to twenty five thousand or more, you might want to just give them a, a courtesy call and, and give them a call and say, "You guys good with this?" Because see what they, they, they these guys look at. They're also looking at even if the line's good, they don't want to take a hundred thousand dollar line without approval because they're not going to have enough money on the other side. They're afraid, even though the line's solid, they may not want to take that big of a, a bet because they can get you know if they, it's the fifty fifty thing. They lose, they don't, they can't cover it on the other side, you know. And they don't really want to be in the gambling business. Hypothetically, they want every every 50% on one side, 50% on the other. They can't lose, right? But in the real world, as you and I know, it doesn't happen that way, right? No, no, no. <laughs> you, know, you, you wish it did, but it doesn't. Yeah. But ultimately, at the end, when I left, uh, what they did, we had different limits on games. Uh, maybe it's 5,000 in the NBA, in hockey, and 10,000 in football, whatever. And we could take up the double without getting an approval. OK, uh, you know, you come in and you want to bet 20. Yeah, we just take it. Right. But um, it, it, the, near the end, where I think they kind of made a mistake was we would call the hub if it was over two. Let's say you wanted about 30,000 on on uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Right. And you call the hub and Johnny or Ed said, yeah, the line's right. It's minus seven. That's perfect. But you better call your bosses because now don't forget it's, it's a partnership there. It's between resorts and DraftKings. Mm. You know, then they want to be good partners. So now we're calling someone on the resorts side, which to me, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I disagree with it. You, anything over double, even though DraftKings, the experts, the traders, the Johnnies and the Eds of the world are good with the number and good with the bet. Ultimately, they're partners with resorts. Now you're calling someone at resorts who knows less than they do, a lot less than they do, also knows less than my supervisors and myself. And they're like, making the call whether we should take this to bed or not wow so, so you gotta get and, double and, approval you know yeah for an approval and, and really they really have very little idea of any of these games and the sad part is thank you as you know as a customer you're standing at the window i had to make one call to vegas hang up now i'm making a second call you know the line could move and people want their bet am i going to get the bet or am i not going to get the bet you know it's kind of not fair to the customer and, and, and they don't like it. no so not at all got the big mistake on their part but they don't totally understand the business so we just got to do what they say right yeah, yeah yeah when did that start because that that was when did resorts and DraftKings? when did resorts have a say on whether or not they they had they had they wanted to give approval for a big bet okay so in the beginning uh DraftKings had more say starting january 2021 resorts had more say and to me, it's not good for the customer, and it's certainly not good for the supervisors. It, it, you know, it, it's it's a different setup, and it's, it's not, I don't think it's the, oh. as good as it was before. I, I would rather defer to the experts in Vegas to know what they're doing. So, who in resorts would would give that approval? Who would you talk uh, to? You could you would talk to the, you know a couple of these VPs and so forth. But like I said, they might be really good at tables and slots, but with, with the sports gambling, they ought to defer to the people that handle that. Okay. Yeah, that, that's amazing. I, I wouldn't. I can't believe it's like micromanaging type thing. You let the uh, yes, sir. You said exactly. The and, yeah, and it's it's a tough situation you're putting these supervisors because they're face to face with the uh, you know the customer. So now, now, how you said that you know the limits you could get double the limits without approval. Um, no sports book except one that I know of, uh, uh, Circus Sports in Vegas, has a limit sheet where you could have, you know, I'll know what the limits are on every sport. Why did DraftKings not have a limit sheet? Because um, you know what? It, it's basically negotiable, you know. Uh, it's up to the managers, you know, what they want to take and so forth. So they never post it per se, you know. But uh, if it's something crazy or if it's a regular customer, we know the guy, or maybe he's a big table game player, you know, they'll, they'll stand a courtesy to him. Um, if it's a known player, you know, again, a regular, they might give him a little bit more. Wait, and give, just, yeah, giving a little more, I'm not concerned about. I'm talking about 
you know, why isn't there a guaranteed minimum? Like, no, listen, I don't care who you are. You're going to get five dimes on this game, no matter what. You can, if you want to ask for more, feel free, but you're always guaranteed 5,000. Why is something like that? Why did something like that not exist? Yeah, and, and I agree. It, it should exist because, it, again, like you said, it, it, the onus should be on the sports book to, to, to have enough confidence in their lines. If their mm -hmm. lines aren't good enough, sharpen your lines, right? Why should the customer have to, you know, suffer on that? You know, uh, I totally agree with you, and that's just the way they wanted to run it. Uh, but gotcha. I, I agree with you. It should be a, a minimum to everybody, you know, a thousand yeah. hours college. You, you should have enough confidence in that line that you could bet it. I could bet it. Your money's as good as the next guy. Everybody can bet a thousand. If you want to extend more to someone else who's a big table, that's, that's another thing. But yeah, you, everybody should be able to get the minimum. You're right. I totally agree with you. Okay. So um, let's talk about, you know, the kiosks now. So you guys had a lot of kiosks around. How hard was it to manage that? Um, what were the limits on the kiosk? I know they they went significantly down after a while, um, you know, because there's no approval on the kiosks and guys could just keep betting, betting, betting. Um, how was that managing all that? Well, kiosks are really tough because in the beginning, first off, you had to put limits on there for CTR reasons, right? You can't you mm -hmm. go in there and, and go over $10,000 without giving a name. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the federal regulations. So they had to limit that. They held that down to like, I think it's... Uh, like twenty nine hundred uh bets, mm -hmm. under three thousand dollars. Okay, and and ultimately they wanted to move anyway. So if you want to bet two or three times, in reality, if it's doing the job, and you bet like a certain game at minus two, and you bet three thousand, and then you go to rebet it, maybe it should go to minus four. You know, or whatever the line should move. So they can't get a, a, a twenty thousand dollar bet at that line. You know what I mean? Uh, and and you know people could you know. People try to circumvent it and they can bet all different hours and you can move from kiosk to kiosk. And it's, it, it's tough to manage. And there's a lot of glitches in it too, where, where bills would get stuck and you have to go out there and you're opening them all day. And then you got to get the cash and you got to turn that into vouchers. Then you're coming up, you know, saying I lost money, the thing jammed up and we have to call surveillance to make sure that was you at a certain time to get the money back to you. Or you might even just walk in in the morning and, and people were there at five in the morning and the money got stuck and the security wasn't trained well enough. And they would say, come back, you know, after 11, when we would open, we'd walk in and people were saying, you know, I got money stuck here. I lost money here. And, you know, we're going through the computer trying to search this. So we had to get pretty, uh, pretty good at that thing. Find out, you know, what you bet, make sure it's the same person, what machine it was, what time it was, surveillance has to okay the, the, the you know, the faces match. So it, it, it was a little bit of a headache. But ultimately, you know, uh, by the end, we were getting pretty good with it. We were just used to so many problems. Now, each, each kiosk has a camera on it. Where does yep. that camera connect to? Is that to the surveillance that goes, of the casino? Goes, yes, yes. Surveillance could see your face. Yeah, they had the picture. Is that surveillance connected? Surveillance has to see. Is that connected to Camby at all, or no? Or, or no, or I think Vegas? right to surveillance. Surveillance. Just right to surveillance. Okay, so yeah. right to, so of that call, and I'll say, oh yeah, that's that was the guy. He was definitely there. You know. Gotcha. Okay. Because well, a lot oh, of people left money in these machines too. You know, they would have yeah. a problem, and they would leave. It, 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 it's frustrating. You would, you would hope that the people, if they didn't know how to use the machine, please come up and we'll let the teller help you. You know, but so many people were new, they would go in there, and then they get frustrated and and. Had all kind of headaches with that, you know? No, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, I want to talk about how sharp customers are treated um, or, you know, guys that you've backed off, um, you know, myself being one of them. Not that I'm sharp, but I, I was backed off. So, you know, how, you know, how does it go? Um, you know, what happens? What's that process like? Um, you know, obviously, I'm not the only one there. You, you've done this in your three years. How many people have you limited or backed off? at the sports book? Uh, I would say about five. Okay. And, um, and I was one of the five. You were one of the five. Uh, again, <laughs> to this day, you and I have a great before. And, oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, am, am I, look, it's up to me. I, I would let you still play. Uh, you know, I, I, I got to take orders from my bosses and they just felt like, you know, they didn't want any problems, so they said, you know, please make the call. I'm just doing what they said. And it puts you in a tough spot, like you said. Um, I'll tell you a funny story, uh, and here's another one I disagreed. We had a guy who, who made a couple bets with Goff, and a lot of bets, and he won. He took a guy 
to like 30 to one to win a tournament, the British Open, I believe. And he had him uh, come in the top 10. He got odds, top five, top 20, top 30, whatever. He bet him across the board. And the guy ended up coming in second. So the guy wants some significant money. And he said, you know, I'll, I'll be up again for football. He's out of town. And he comes back in football. Now, you, as you know, and I know, the NFL is pretty tough to beat. And those lines are really solid, right? So he comes up to bet pro football. So anyway, they, they ultimately said, well, we're going to give him so much on Monday, a crazy amount. Like uh, he could bet 1200 on Monday. He could bet 1500 on Tuesday, 1800 on Thursday. I said, what, are you, what are you talking about? I'm supposed to write all these crazy numbers every day of the week. He has all these different numbers. And I said, anyway, the guy's not sharp. I said, and I'll give you, this is one of the two stories I was going to tell you about. So what the guy does, he comes in on Monday. I'll never forget this. It's about noon. And the Chicago Bears are playing a Monday night football game at, at the time it was the Washington Redskins, you know, the, uh, the Redskins on Monday night. And he wants to bet they have a line for next Sunday's game. The Redskins are playing the Giants. So he wants to bet $20,000 on the Redskins plus three for next Sunday at the New York Giants. Mm-hmm. So we give him the bet. But they, they, they say, no, this guy's sharp. So let me ask you something, though. How sharp can he be if he's betting $20,000 on next game, next week's game when his team's playing tonight? Suppose his quarterback gets hurt. He doesn't even know any injuries that are going to happen tonight. Why would he? Why would a sharp better bet a week ahead prior to the game they haven't even played? It's like you bet in Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers gets hurt tonight. You got him next week. Why would you do that? It doesn't even make sense. So, of course, you know, we limit the guy. You lose the guy. Again, Pat Packers give him to me. <laughs> so, yeah. Go ahead. He, Pat, Pat verifies he's not sharp. Uh, I said he's not sharp, but you guys lost him. So that was one funny story. And then so, here's so, another one. So Pat at Resorts Digital took the customer from you guys and wind up booking him and beating him. Yeah. yeah. And he said he's not sharp. Pat knows he was tracking me. I'm telling you, the guy, I said, I know Pat, he's not sharp, but these guys, they think he's sharp. So I'm just doing what they're telling me. Yeah. But they're wrong. But he, and, and I'll tell you a really a, another great story. It's a true story. Yeah. This guy's one of my biggest players, real good guy. He bets everything. He bets college football, pro football, uh, uh, Major League Baseball, NBA. You know, so he's betting everything. So anyway, this, this one day he comes in in the summer and he's he had all these winning tickets from uh, like six months ago. He had a lot of tickets. But anyway, he wanted to bet. <laughs> it's a funny story, Spanky. You're going to laugh at this. He says, what's the line on the Red Sox Oriole game tonight? And we said, uh, the Orioles are getting plus 107. He goes, all right, I want to put 25000 on the Orioles, plus 107. So call up, of course, and they take the bet. Now, don't forget, you're not going to probably have $25,000 on the other side on the Red Sox. But, you know, at this, at this time, Vegas, you know, DraftKings is taking the bet. They're, they're making the call. This is prior to this year. Okay. So anyway. Um, I email all the uh, higher ups, you know, just keep them in the loop and say, look, just to give you a heads up, we had a gentleman bet 25,000 on the Orioles. The line was plus 107 and Vegas approved it. They already said the line's legit. So I, <laughs> I get a call 10 minutes later from one of the guys at resorts and he goes, I just looked at this line on, on DraftKings. It, the, the Orioles right now should be minus 103. He got the best of the line. He got plus 107. He's short. We may not want to take this guy anymore. And I'm thinking, don't you understand? He just moved the line. That's why the line moved. Don't, don't yeah. even understand this. <laughs> he moved the line, but they yeah. think he's sharp. This is what you're dealing with. So yeah. this is how early in the game you are with these sports book guys. You know, it's amazing, right? No, they don't, yeah, they, it's crazy. So th- this is this is great stuff, Hal. Um, I, you know, I I, I want to get get a little bit more deep in, into the sharps. You know, you said you kicked five guys out. What do they say to you? You know, you're the you're obviously the one that has to deliver the news because none of these guys are going to be able to give the news. So what do they tell you to tell the guys? Like, what do they tell you to tell me? Just say sorry. Because I lasted for, with you guys for about a month. I just was coming there on the weekends. And, you know, how? listen, you put me up. You got me dinner. You had a reserve teller for me. Um, you guys treated me like royalty, of course, until I won. Um, you know, so, so what did they say? You know, what, 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 not just me, but what do they say to tell, you know, how do they, how do they, tell you to deliver that news and do you ever give well, them pushback like say are you guys sure about this or 
Well, like I got, to this day, I'm still telling you about the gaffer. I still disagree with him, but you yeah. know, I just do what the bosses say. They're the bosses, so I'm not, you know, they think they know more than I do. And, and like I said, I defer to fat patches to double check, and he agrees with me. But anyway, uh, we, the other guys, we, we, we just tell them they, they can't get, you know, higher limits than they were getting. We say, you know, you're going to have to, you know, you're betting on Monday football college lines that are, that are you know, they're not that uh, sharp at the time. They're not that solid on Monday. So you're only going to be able to bet a certain amount. Maybe you only can bet 500 hours a game. You're not going to be, not that you can't play, but you're not going to be able to bet, you know, $3,000 on that college game on Monday. Okay. Gotcha. Um, the other guy, they, they wanted to uh, push him onto the digital so that they could, they can observe him more. They said, listen, they're not going to give you these limits here at the retail. If you want to bet online, open up to the account and uh, you know, they can go from there and they can kind of keep an eye on them on, on the digital side. Now you realize how that on the digital side, they limit people at DraftKings, unfortunately, to ten grocery dollars. Like it's $10. oh yeah, it's embarrassing. Man. And we talked about this. I mean, you, it, it, the minimum should be at least a hundred dollar bet. You got to be able to make a hundred dollar bet on anything, right? You can't tell the guy you can bet twelve dollars. It's, it's ridiculous, right? So, but, so uh, you know, when you talked about that to them, what do they say? That's what they want to do. You know, they're they're so called the experts. So uh, you know, I'm the new guy. I'm not, I don't have the experience they have, but I so, don't jo so Johnny Johnny Avello says, yeah, that's the right move. We'll book a uh, guy. We'll book a guy for ten bucks. That's no, a, I think Johnny should be a hundred dollars, hundred dollars also. But I think that's a Camby thing where Camby's telling them on that on that limit. So do you so ever talk to Camby at all? Are you ever in meetings with Camby and DraftKings, or no? You, or, so you, you never interact with Camby. No, we go through, we have our meetings with DraftKings and they have their separate meetings. We can give them information or questions. And when they talk to Camby, they'll talk to Camby and get back to us. Gotcha. So Camby, would you say that, you know, the people that DraftKings are limiting, was that the was that based on the advice from Camby? Would you, would you, you know, would you guess? I know you're not privy to the conversations, but do you think Camby is the one that's kind of uh, gearing DraftKings towards, hey, listen, I would cut this guy, you know, to pennies and I would get rid of this guy or whatnot. Is Camby the one pulling the strings? Yes, I, I, and I don't know that to be 100%, you know, uh, rock solid, but yeah, I would say yes. And, and let's think about it this way. If Camby can come up and tell resorts, hey, listen, we can guarantee you we're going to hold 7 8% and so forth. They don't want anybody winning. So anybody that wins brings your whole percent down. So when they go to another jurisdiction, let's just say Oregon's opening, hey, we're holding 8% at resorts. So it's easier for them to kick out any of these winners, very easy way, kick out the winners, get your PC up, right? Rather than really doing the right thing, make your lines sharper, make your lines more solid and let everybody fight, right? So I really believe it's Canby uh, and, and any of these uh, software companies that, the easy way out is just kick out anybody. That, and I think William Hill does the same thing. Kick out all the winners. We, we could show that we're holding 8 9 10%. So when you say, you know, you make a great point, Hal. Make your line sharper. Um, it's a lot easier said than done, obviously. Why hasn't, you know, do you think that can be ha currently or maybe one day will ever have the talent to do something like that, to actually make their line sharper and accept all customers? Yeah, they should be. If you want to hire the right people, you could do it. Plus, I think they get they get a little lazy and they, they copy and paste from like pinnacles and all these and you know these offshore accounts. And and sometimes when they move those lines, like and you would know better than all of us, they're slow moving them. Maybe Pinnacle moves their lines and can be moves them an hour later. They're too slow moving them, and then the the, the good players can beat them on it, right? Yeah. So yeah, no, a hundred percent. So essentially, they're they're taking the art of bookmaking out, and they're essentially just using a consensus line or a market leader's line. And um, once you start doing that, then that's just a recipe for disaster because you're you know you're you're gonna get caught with your pants down. You don't know what you, you know. You're not booking to your chart. Um, exactly. They're they're not booking to any chart. You know what I mean? You know you guys. Do you guys like on your screen when you were running it? Were you able to see how much you had on each side of the game or no? No, we couldn't. No, we couldn't. And also the other problem with with them is, let's say, for instance, you know, we're in the Philadelphia market. So most people are betting the Philadelphia Eagles, right? Mm -hmm. So if, but can be their line is nationwide. They may have more money on, say, the Eagles are playing Buffalo. They may have more money on Buffalo and 
in our market, they might make vehicles from plus three to plus four because they're getting more money nationally on Buffalo. But it's killing our market. We're getting hammered with 90% of the people betting Philly. So they're getting plus three, plus four. They're getting more with the Eagles. When the Eagles cover, we get killed. It's not It's not like uh, jurisdiction to jurisdiction. And that, and that could be another problem, you know. So, you know, locally you get hit. Each different sportsbooks would get hit because they're looking at nationally. They're looking at the big picture for themselves, right? Yeah, they're not book. They're not booking to a chart, and that, that's the that's the whole thing. Right. It's not, exactly, not, that's right. They're not booking to a chart. So, it, you know, uh, where do you see now? You know, uh, the business going. You know, um, you know, you're you're retired now. How? Uh, you know, what, what, what? You know, do you think that um, DraftKings or any of these, you know, the big players in the game, um, will accept or William Hill or whatever will ever accept? Uh, all customers, or do you think it's going to get worse? Well, I think at some point they might eventually start taking some more customers. The competition is going to get more and more, you know. Uh, and they, like, like for instance, I think FanDuel and DraftKings they have all these uh, these bonuses and so forth. So they, they, I guess they believe that with these bonuses, once uh, they stop with the bonuses, that these customers are going to be loyal to them forever. And, and I, I don't think that's what's going to happen. The customers are always going to go whoever gives the bonus. It could be at MGM. It could be whatever company it is. And, and I don't know that they're going to have these allegiances to these companies. I just think they're going to go wherever gives them the best offer. So if they keep picking all these guys out, ultimately, they're like you and I agree, the handle is going to go way down, right? What was the best – exactly. What was the best bonus that you've seen in your time there that somebody would get? You know, I, I guess it's – I think – so we don't even do bonuses at the retail, okay? So everything's online, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, and the retail, they don't even like to give out comps. They don't like to give out drinks. They don't like to anything, as you know, right? Yeah. But anyway, uh, I think what I saw once was a $1,000 uh, bonus for a new customer. You know, that match up to $1,000. Gotcha. Okay. Which is pretty strong. Now, you and I, uh, you know, getting back to this handle thing, we, we kind of agree, you know, same thing. You know, I'm banging my head against the wall with a lot of these guys and, and the Vegas guys know this, trying to build the handle. Uh, to me, the handle, when I see all the numbers every month, it's all about the handle. You don't want the handle to go down to losing business and so forth, right? Yeah. These guys, like you say, they, they we got to get the, the PC up. We got that's all they're always talking. I said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Listen, want you guys at the end of the day, want you rather have a two percent hold of a million dollars, so your handle is really high. You guys want ten percent of a hundred thousand, but at the end of the day, if you get two percent of a million, I'm putting twenty thousand dollars in my bank account. You're putting ten thousand dollars. What are you worried about the handle for? You're exactly. going to get your you're going to get your handle down. I mean, your PC, you're going to get lower your handle by running all these priors out of here. So your handle is so low, you can hold 10, 20 percent. Doesn't matter. You're not going to make any money. But if your handle is super high and like you're willing to bring your percent down, bring the sharp players in and the big players in and all that. But your handle is high and your PC goes down. You're still making more money. But they don't seem to understand it. Yeah, I, I, I'm not on that. I don't get it either. It's not that complicated, right? And, and even on the retail side, to be able to get double approval on a bet, like, you know what I mean? That does not help increasing your handle in any way, shape, or form. Nope. Um, you know, to have to call two different guys and they both have to green light a $25,000 bet or whatever the, the number was. What's the biggest bet you guys ever wrote in the sports book in your three years? Um, I actually took <laughs> this is crazy. We did this guy kind of a favor. Uh, it's a couple of years ago. Uh, it, was a, it was a college football game. It was Virginia. Who was uh, who was who was playing? I'm trying to remember the game. Um, Clemson was playing Virginia, I believe it was, in the mm -hmm. HTC championship game. Mm -hmm. And the guy took the money line. He put up like a hundred and fifty thousand, right, gotcha. to win like ten thousand. <laughs> I mean, the, the exposure wasn't that much, but you know, they, they let him bet one hundred and fifty thousand dollars on it. it. It was crazy. I mean, it was almost like a sure winner. They were like twenty six point favorites or whatever. Anyone, you know, he did win. But uh, yeah, it was pretty pretty funny. Um, the other thing I, I always strive for, Spanky. Uh, I've always wanted a friendly book. You know, I try to be uh, professional to the the high the high players such as yourself and so forth, and even the small guys, the everyday guys that are in there five ten dollars on the kiosk, and they 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 felt like we were family. We were you know. We, we treated them with respect like anybody else, you know, and everybody was happy. We didn't try to cheat them and they didn't try to cheat us. And if they saw a mistake, they would tell us, you know, because we're, we're all friends. 
So, we, I, you know, there's a lot of competition out there. And we, I thought we had a really good rapport with the, with the players. So that was one really good thing. Oh, no, the, I, the other I, thing yeah, I 100% agree to that. Go ahead. I'll, I'll get, what was oh, the other thing and, you want to say? The other thing that, uh, I was trying to explain to some of these guys, these guys that they think are sharps are like the enemies. I said, they're not the enemy. And, you know, I don't blame them. Let me ask you guys something I said. If you were going to go out and buy a refrigerator today, would, would you not shop around for the best value? Well, that's what they're doing. It's the same thing. Why would they bet a game at minus seven when if they can go somewhere else and get it at minus six? Who, who did you say that right? to? Did you, who did to, you tell to that to? To upper management. To my upper management. Look, DraftKings knows what you're doing. They've been in business for a long time. But, but these table games and the, the casinos, it's new to them. They don't fully understand sportsbook. It's a whole new uh, concept out there, right? The yeah. Johnnies of the world, of course, they know it. But these guys aren't bad guys. They're good guys. They're, yeah. they're like you and I. I try to explain it. There's nothing wrong with these guys. You know, they're just trying to get the best the best line for themselves. You would do the same thing if you bought a car. You, you, why would you spend five thousand more on a car when you can get a better value down the road? They're yeah, stopping they, around, so they, they should. They want you to lay seven on a game that's painted six and a half. It's just it's it's, yeah, it's yeah, terrible. They, yeah, it's ridiculous. But they it's don't get, they just don't they don't they seem like they don't understand all this part. It's all new to them, like I said. Well, I want to just speak to, you know, on my experience, Hal, you were nothing but nice. You were unbelievable, overly nice, honestly. You were so nice to me um, in my short time playing at DraftKings. You know, I'll never, you know, you had a teller locked up for me. Um, I, you know, you know, I sat there at the bar. I remember I bet, I don't know what it was, 20000 on some college football game. You came up to me and you told me, hey, do you want me to put the channel, the game on, right on the TV right in front of me? Uh, which, you know what I mean? I didn't really, I didn't really was watching any of the games. I was just waiting to bet. But but you were very nice. You were, you know, so, so uh, cordial. And, um, you know, you got me rooms. You, you really treated me. I really felt like a VIP and, and it really meant the world to me. And thank you so much. You know, you are you were a breath of fresh air to uh, in a world where, you know, instead of getting a pat on the back and saying, thank you for your business, you know, guys like me get, you know, get kicked in the ass and say, you know, get out of here and don't ever come back, which ultimately happened. But, um, you know, <laughs> for, for, the, for that short time, um, you were really uh, very, very nice to me. And I, I thank you so much for that. And you'll always be a friend of mine. And I thank you really so much for, for coming on and, and sharing your story Um uh, you know, because you kind of give a unique insight uh, on running a retail book and behind the scenes and, and what exactly, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the fine details of, of what has to happen to, to run such a successful book. Um, you're retired now. So any plans on retirement? Would you ever come back into the business if the offer was right? Um, possibly. I, I, I'm enjoying retirement now. I mean, I've got a lot of years with the casino, but I really enjoyed the sports book side of it more than the casino. It is non-smoking. I uh, love sports. You know, you're watching sports all the time while you're working. So it's, it's kind of fun. And you're around all the people that are very knowledgeable about sports. It's a great, it's just a great atmosphere and, you know, great ambience with everybody. Uh, and I thank you also. I mean, you taught me a lot from the other side, you know, not from the management side, but from the player side, what to look for and all. I mean, you're one of the best guys out there. You, you know, you know all, everything. And, you know, you showed us how the, the lines move, how you can middle games. So for, I learned so much from, from you as well as the, uh, the DraftKings guys from Vegas. So, it, you know, it was, it was so many things to learn in three years. It was just great to digest it all. Yeah, it's it's it's. I guess it's a big difference, you know, uh, running the pit than running a sports book. I know there must have been a, a a pretty high learning curve, but you know, ultimately, you know, you picked it up. I guess, and and you and your whole staff, Seifel, who was a really nice guy, who you know, I had that video where he promised me eight thousand on everything. Um, really super super nice guy. I haven't even seen him since that day, or maybe I saw him once after that. But he's a really really nice guy. Um, I wish nothing but the best for him and. Um, uh, you know, is, is he uh, still around or is, is – you know, yeah. yeah, it's funny you said that. He just got promoted to a really big-time job. And if you're ever around, you go, Sam, he's going to be, uh, like, managing the BetMGM down in Washington, D.C., where the Washington Nationals play. So, uh, oh, wow. That's great, man. Yeah, big yeah. position. And, the, and I couldn't be more happier. This kid's uh, – again, table games came – just started like I did. We all came in together and – 
just went right up. Young kid. He's great with IT. And now he's going to have a super job down in Washington, D.C. Awesome. I w- please give him my best. Tell him congratulations for me. Was a really, really nice guy. Um, and um, I wish him nothing but the best. Yeah. And uh, one of the dual rate uh, guy was a teller, became a dual rate um, supervisor and just recently got promoted to full time supervisor. Joe, I'm not sure if you know him. He's in his early 20s. Also, it's going to move in, uh, down with Cyfall as a full-time manager down in that, that MGM in Washington. So these guys are on the move. It's it's early game in the game, and there's a lot of opportunities in the sports book uh, around the country, kind of like when we first started with table games and the casinos. So these guys are moving. If you're willing to move to different you know localities, you can really move up this uh, business, as you know. It's opening everywhere. Oh, that sounds great. Maybe I go down to D.C. and uh, me and Seif will get on another video. Let's see what he promises me this time. <laughs> get a video and tell me when tickets to the Nationals game. Yeah, I just want high limits, man. That's all. You, know, just, yeah, you don't even have to watch the game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good. If I was there, I'd give it to you. And Pat would, too. You know that. I know too. that, Hal. Like, listen, man, you guys are the best. Pat was one of the best bookmakers. <laughs> you guys are class acts man you know i really really it's such a pleasure dealing with you guys it really it really was great um, yeah the good old days yes exactly the good old days just a year or two ago but um hal thank you so much for coming on i really really appreciate it and um um if you ever do come out of retirement um no matter where you go i'll make sure that um, I'll definitely be a customer of yours. I'll, I'll forever be a customer and for, uh, you know, and I'll forever be a friend of yours. It really means a lot to me how well, how well you treated me. And, um, I'll never forget that. Well, same here. I really appreciate it. And if I do ever come out, but you never know, I will definitely be in touch with you and hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll see each other again at the sports book, right? <laughs> Absolutely, buddy. I'll see you at the book. Okay, thanks, and best of luck to you and the families. Thank you. I appreciate thank everything you, you've done. Thank you so much, Hal, and thanks so much for the time. Until next time.